welcome to our next voyage on T-10, the show that explores the future of learning and technology in healthcare. I'm your host, Tim Fitzpatrick. Today, you'll hear from Dr. Hilary Lin, a Stanford-trained internal medicine physician and co-founder of Curio. You might be familiar with Hilary's writing, where she covers a variety of healthcare topics, including psychedelics, mental health, health system reform, and innovation. One of Hillary's recent Medium articles about the digital mental health regulatory landscape was top of mind for me when we sat down for this one. And as you'll hear in a minute, Hillary actually shares a fascinating and timely update on the state of their business. Since March, they've made the decision to pivot, zooming out from psychedelic-assisted therapy to a more comprehensive approach that includes therapy as just one component of that offering. Today, Curio is a supportive healthcare platform dedicated to transforming the lives of those with chronic conditions through personalized medical care, therapy, health coaching, and insurance navigation. Their first focus is oncology, supporting patients and families as they navigate the complex landscape of cancer care. If you want to learn more, please head to joincurio.com or connect with Hillary. As always, all links are available in our show notes. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Hillary Lin co-founder and CEO at Curio. Welcome back to T10, Hillary. It is so good to see you again. Always good to see you and catch up. Uh, welcome and thanks for joining me on T10. Thank you so much for having me. This is an amazing experience and I wouldn't miss it. You're the best. Well, we, uh, we definitely want to dive into what you're doing. So why don't we start where it makes the most sense to begin any any great story at the beginning and let's hear how you uh, decided to, to found Curio. Oh my gosh, it's a long journey and the beginnings of it were in academia. So I spent the first part of my career at Stanford. I was there for all in all 11 years, which is a lifetime. And I was so inspired by the people around me at the time. And yet being in healthcare, I found myself very early, like even back in the med school days, like frustrated with how healthcare worked. It was so much of this bandaging over gaps rather than creating systems that made any sense in my view. And the the way that healthcare on the inside also worked was very frustrating. Uh, clinicians are unfortunately very much cogs in a very big machine that is running uh, in a certain direction, regardless of what clinicians want. And a lot of clinicians actually do sincerely want the best for their patients. Unfortunately, the machine is a lot more driven by capitalism, and that's just how institutions work. And so there's a lot of measures that result in uh, cutting down on the amount of time a provider spends with their patient, for example, or continuity of care, or really a lot of the things that we we would want as patients. Like we, we want people to care about us as humans, uh, holistically to take into account all these things. So all of that basically really piled up on me, led me to feel quite burnt out. Um, I moved to New York in 2018, originally because I wanted to go into oncology. A part of me was wondering, maybe I just need to subspecialize and uh, everything will be different. And I did love oncology for a lot of reasons. I, I went into it because I care a lot about uh, life and death questions, existential questions, helping people feel all right about facing their mortality. I think what frustrated me again was that 
you do so little of that as an oncologist. It's a lot of in and out of the clinic room, um, dealing with a massive amount of administrative work, prior authorization, so on and so forth. I just felt like I was not able to be the fulfilled, actualized doctor that I so wanted to be. So I left at that point, I had dabbled on the side on some ideas, some projects in the tech world, but never really taken the time to start my own company. So the first attempt was in the cancer screening space. It was in colon cancer. I, I cared a lot about GI cancer and I moved on quickly from there. Like it was a lot of learning on the go. I had not worked a job in any other field before then. So my life uh, was very narrow in terms of my experience and I had to learn on the ground. So I spent, you know, around six to eight months each on uh, teams, early teams working in the digital health space. So sleep health, relationship wellness, uh, the cancer screening. And then finally, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I realized that everything came together at this core concept that I cared so much about, which is helping people live a good life. And a lot of that is tied up with how we feel about our lives, our emotions. And uh, the early days of Curio, the company I'm working on now, it was very much based in emotional actualization. I'll save the rest for your next upcoming questions, <laughs> but that, that was my long beginning to my startup journey. So it's, it's a, I find it fascinating because I've known you now for probably shortly after, maybe a couple of years, three years, but since Curio, I think shortly after you started Curio. And I'm loosely familiar with the, this beginning story of building the emotional health support company because of your focus on education. And that's obviously what the show is all about. That's what our work has been and where we've had so many strong ties, but I did not realize all the, the threads that fed into what is now you know, and Curio itself has evolved many yeah. times. I'm excited to hear the update, but uh, no, I, I'm excited for you to keep going because where I sit now today, knowing what I know about Curio and, and you, it's fun to see that you really do have all of these <laughs> threads throughout your career that now makes so much sense when you see the, the current form of, of what it offers and how you approach your strategy for supporting patients. So please continue. Yeah. Just know that uh, I, this thread is helpful for for anyone who's been following along for the last couple of years. Oh, thank you so much. And and for me, I think like for me, I'm a very, hmm, I'm as distracted as anybody else living in today's world. But the reason why it's all come together is I find it easier actually to focus on a singular purpose. And for, for me, like that personal self-actualization and my company's actualization is one in the same. And that's why it's come together in this way. And I, I talk about it the way I do. So with Curio, in the beginning, I was so burnt out and frustrated with healthcare that I very much wanted to start a wellness company. And what I mean by that is we were coaching people on how to explore their emotions from the basics of even labeling emotions, understanding mindfulness around your emotions to regulating them and to much more sophisticated ways of interacting using emotional language and expression. We even used to host improv classes to help people explore. Yeah. So it was, a, it was so much fun. And I think the tough thing was realizing that this sort of business can only go so far in the field of healthcare. 
And uh, my team was slowly growing at the time. And that was like to summarize perhaps the first year or so of our lifespan. And then we made our first major sort of pivot, which was to become a healthcare company. And what that means is all of the legal setup to operate as a clinic and you know, getting malpractice insurance. It's a lot of legwork actually just to get started as a clinic. Um, once we did that, we got established in first one or two states and then we expanded. We're now at five states. And uh, the, the next, this was a quick follow is that we decided to focus primarily on psychedelic assisted therapies. This was an interesting one. And, and honestly, I had to myself wrap my head around how are we going to do this as a startup? Because psychedelic assisted therapy is monumentally um, magical. And, and I know you and I have spoke about this, but um, the challenges to turning it into a business are also the reason why, even though we got good traction for the last year, we have ultimately decided to broaden our scope to being a supportive care platform for people with chronic health conditions. So people who have to deal with their health on a day-to-day basis, people with cancer, IBD, metabolic disorders, heart disease. And that is because we realize that there's something about uh, targeting folks who are already dealing with their health in a very serious way and helping them. It aligns our interests very well. A lot of people, unfortunately, who are feeling well or who don't think about their health every day, uh, it's just human psychology. They don't want to deal with their health, so they don't want to interact with a health business. And so we've chosen this as our patient population. And the it also aligns our incentives with payers, employers, and insurance platforms because they very much care about uh, the improving the outcomes and decreasing the healthcare costs of people with complicated chronic conditions. Something I know you deal with a lot too in the chronic kidney disease space. This is first of all, congratulations. Anytime a founder and a company decides to make such a, a transition, obviously it's, it's a thoughtful one and, and knowing you, it's, uh, it's not a decision you take lightly and, as someone who has you know, care, provided care, direct care for patients for so long and now leads a company thinking about this, I, I'm excited knowing that the decision you made is based on lots of real data and feedback from patients and your partners, for that matter, practitioners um, and direct consumers who you've supported. So to know that, yes, I would echo, these are challenges that we hear all the time in my iconic hat, thinking about kidney disease and how to support patients, but also their social support circles and all the people around them. And yeah. it feels like in the last couple of years, the world is waking up to that is the way that you provide holistic care. You have to have a lot of people thinking about this patient in ways that are not just the medications you're prescribing. And um, yeah. so anyways, I, this is the first time I'm hearing it too live. And my reaction is incredibly positive, supportive, and just can't wait to hear more about how you think about partners yeah. based on what you learned starting on the psychedelic side. and growing from one state, two states to five states. Thinking yeah. about peers and employers, I'm sure there's all kinds of avenues. And I'd love to just hear you kind of maybe do a second layer or a deep, deeper dive on what it is you're understanding or in particular, whether it's cancer or metabolic health, what are the things that, that kind of speak to you in the organization? Yeah, yeah. Of course, the tie to cancer is very much the same as what I mentioned previously, The that I, I think it's 
it forces upon a patient when they get a diagnosis of cancer to reevaluate their life in such a serious way. And not to say that other conditions and health are any less serious. It's just honestly, our society treats cancer that way. We, we think of cancer as being a looming terminal illness. Uh, and we don't think the same way uh, inappropriately, I think, about you know, chronic uh, congestive heart failure or chronic kidney disease, or, you know, there's so many other things that are equally life-threatening, um, but cancer has a certain pace to it that um, society has conditioned us to feel like is looming in that way. And so I think um, there's pros and cons, of course. It's, it's so scary. Nobody ever wants to get cancer. But at the same time, that, that, stark realization that you have to deal with your health you have to deal with your life you have to you have to go and you know fix those relationships that maybe were broken you have to you know make sure your affairs are in order all those movements are things that you know we probably should do in a preventive manner in a proactive manner but something like cancer really puts it in your face it confronts it you in a very short period of time so um, that is one one type of care that we're taking on, which is helping people navigate that period of uh, diagnosis to figuring out what to do. And then, you know, later on in a cancer journey, there's like dealing with treatment, like side effects and maintenance and um, the fear and the anxiety of whether the disease is going to come back. And then, you know, for those who survive, luckily, there's still this, a lot of people feel quite traumatized with the entire experience. And you're always scared, like, is it going to come back? Like, is this for real? And uh, you, you see life differently. And then, of course, people who are unfortunately, they are dealing with end of life. There's a whole journey there that, you know, we care very much about. And I'm just using cancer as an example, because it's easy to lay out that journey. It's a, a bit more up and down with conditions like CKD and, and heart disease, actually. there's That's what makes it hard, actually. It's you're, you're better and then you're worse. You're better and worse. It's not clear um, when your life is close to ending or when you're totally better. Um, but there's some parallels to that difficult journey. And a lot of it, as you can tell from the way I'm telling it, is extremely emotional. Yet uh, people, when they see their specialists, because they're quite busy, you only get to touch on that emotional piece. It's Most of it is just like, we got to get you prior off uh, for your chemotherapy. Let's try and get you started like this time. It's, it's just very factual and logistical and even behind the scenes I, like oncologists are very warm-hearted people but you you see they're just chickens with their heads cut off kind of a thing behind the scenes they're just trying to like delegate tasks all around just be like just solve this problem <laughs> like it's it's a nightmare so there's a lot of work that gets lost um, and unfortunately a lot of the work that gets left behind is the emotional work for patients the supportive care um, so the that's what we've decided to tackle we tackle care navigation that means you know helping a person navigate their benefits their insurance like how to deal with the financial burden of these chronic care conditions we help with obviously the emotional piece much more directly we have therapists on board we still do offer our ketamine assisted therapy by the way it's just a smaller portion of our services and then we have uh, the primary care med management aspect so helping make sure that you know things don't get lost like uh 
for example, in cancer care, it's it's perhaps not obvious, but it's still important to maintain a healthy weight. Like you don't want to lose too much weight, of course, but actually being obese is, you know, um, it shortens life and it, it uh, leads to greater risk of recurrence. So there's like things that people lose because they're dealing with the fight or flight of the disease that they just need a team behind them to make sure they're not missing these gaps. So that's what we're hoping to serve. Um, you kind of, it's a great segue, right? Because I'm thinking about product and thinking about tech and how this changes when you think about zooming out or zooming in to what you've already built out in the infrastructure. And I'm sure as you've been building Curio, you realize where there are gaps, where maybe uh, providing a treatment or a therapy is a piece of a much larger vision than what that whole product has to be in order to be uh, something attractive to the stakeholders you're, you're talking to and want to work with. And just as a side note, when you mentioned the the parallel difficult journeys that patients face, and it's not just cancer, where you have those deeply emotional, visceral reactions. And, and the conversations with the care team, I yesterday finished uh, Brain on Fire, right? Autoimmune disease yeah. and fascinating retelling. And I remember towards the end of the book, um, and the author Susanna talks about how even though cancer and, and some of those early tests in her journey even though cancer wasn't involved, that's where the family had the most acute reaction, despite the fact that uh, she was dealing with something so serious and there were so many unknowns. Um, and that was really powerful. And then separately, of course, I first was drawn to, to what you're building from my own VA experience. And that's, you know, oh. for the very reason that there's so much that is taboo for no good reason, I should say. Obviously, there are plenty of reasons why it's handled the way it is. But to see that more and more people are being educated around the opportunities and the potential and uh, the, the positive side of, of embracing these new tools and skill sets and treatments. It's something I've heard you talk about before, and I'd love to have your sense of optimism. I think uh, my favorite part of having these conversations is around what makes a founder in particular, and certainly a clinician founder, optimistic, despite it all, like despite the regulation, the regulatory risk, despite like having to go convince payers or employers that you know what you're doing or you can deliver a service what what are the things that today as you're you know, fresh out of a, a new direction have a new vision for the company what are yeah. those milestones the things that are kind of what you latch on to to help keep you going and when you think about building the future of curio and yeah i think the there's two parts to it one is we by now we're lucky to have served quite a few patients so we know that at the clinical level, we're doing well. We've done uh, measures of outcomes uh, for depression and anxiety, for example. And with our ketamine-assisted therapy treatments, you know, people have their scores, like their PHQ-9 and CAD-7, and little over a month. It's like so fast. It's like night and day. And yeah, it's incredible. You don't see that at all in a regular clinic and you also like there's so much fewer things to worry about because you're not on the daily medication that might cause havoc to uh, every other system in your body so that's been really promising we know that there's something right with the way we're approaching our patient care uh, our team is extremely mission driven that's a 
And I think it's lovely to have people all together working towards the same thing in that way. I think it's tough when you work in a big institution, like, you know, ones that I've worked in, where there's a lot of conflict in incentives and the people who are caring for patients really don't have much as a say. Um, so that's good. I, I really do believe in startups and entrepreneurs and founders, and I wish there were more clinician founders because it's it's what we need to really make a change in the world that we live in, a tough world with bad incentives and complicated systems. The second piece of it is I think we are seeing a quite a revolution, and I, I don't want to sound extremely boring by saying the same thing as many people, but the current AI revolution is one that I'm finally hopeful might actually disrupt healthcare. So everybody has always been like, we're going to disrupt healthcare, like all these things. And um, up until this point, it's almost been like a, a glossy layer on it. Like, yes, now many clinics and hospital systems have a website and you can book appointments online sometimes. And, you know, you can get messages through a portal behind an annoying password that you have to get uh, three-factor authentication for. So there's like, yes, technology has helped in some ways. It's created burdens in others so far. And what's so magical about the generative AI movement is that uh, we actually finally can do something. And it's not in the way that maybe you're you listeners might be thinking. I think it's like the obvious things are, yes, we can cut down on time spent on note taking and, um, you know, do stuff much faster. But yes, that's a given. And I think that's fabulous. That's something AI native startups are building into their processes. And we are as well. But I actually think the revolution is in patient education. So back to, you know, the main topic on hand, uh, patient empowerment is so hard, because we live in the US where the healthcare system is absolutely unnavigatable by any normal person. So, but now we are democratizing education and generative AI is helping us do that. Uh, we are even creating, like we have a brand new uh, forum question and a, it's an expert forum where people can ask a doctor or a scientist a question and it's assisted by AI as well. So you get immediate responses that are edited and elaborated upon by a clinician. That's just like the tiniest tip of the iceberg of what we are working on. Like this will extend into our patient to clinician communications. It'll extend into treatment planning assistance, like clinician clinical decision assistance. Um, it's just something that we've never seen before. Like the, the best thing we had, like I, I sort of joke about this, but it's actually true that as a clinician, the only technology that really was mind-blowingly life-changing in the whole time that I'd been a doctor was up to date, which is really just a doctor's Wikipedia that's been verified by experts around the world. And I'm just like, that's crazy. Like that's, it's so, it's so bland. Like, I mean, it's very useful, but you're essentially reading through articles of data and it's like, it's great. It's up to date. It keeps you, um, you know, practicing medicine the way it should be, but it's also, it's not fancy. You can't even really properly search through it. It's, it's, uh, it's very basic, but it's still the number one technology advancement that I've seen um, as a clinician.
in like decades. So I love that example. Up to date is uh, it's it's um. Anyways, I could digress on that, and I love the education theme. But so many friends you know, I know these are many of these are shared friends who are who are using and thinking about similar themes to disrupt even that approach and model. And there's a lot of excitement there. So maybe mm -hmm. we can uh, we can also see some in the, in the next few years clinicians whose minds are equally blown by the advances yeah. brought by Gen AI. But um, the the one thing I want to just note before we wrap up is your approach to the AI-assisted expert forum Q&A, I, I love because it gets right at, I think, the between-the-lines interpretation of the recent JAMA piece that talks of comparing empathy, comparing physician responses to AI responses and what it misses, and that is, yeah. why are we thinking them as separate, as distinct things? You're not just going to go ask a chatbot um, for an answer. You're going to want to loop in a clinician in an ideal world. It's very much like what you're describing. And so yeah. That's a, an exciting application. And the second you said clinical decision support, my mind went to, wow, this could be very compelling as a uniquely FDA approved CDS tool that yeah. happens to live within a world-class care delivery organization. So there's, yeah. it just yeah. sounds as there's a lot happening that could be exciting for the future roadmap of, of Curio. Um, I'm super excited and, and I love the way we're going about it. There's obviously challenges too, but being able to do both under the same roof, like developing product and care delivery, like actually having that experience with patients, I think is a truly magical place to be. And too few companies get to do that because of the team makeup. And uh, when you do, then you realize you're like, oh, there were so many things that I just didn't understand, like just just building product or or just taking care of patients. So I feel like we're very lucky. I'm excited for you. This is uh, this has been a top of mind question that I've loved asking, especially in the wake of all the recent regulatory changes and obviously care delivery startups in the health tech space. And I think it, it's going to take, you know, obviously bias, we're having this conversation and everything we just talked to you about, I think it's going to take clinician leadership with experience in startups, with experience in care delivery, who also have an appetite for risk in developing novel products that are very hard to build and take take years and patience um, to be able to, to pull off the kind of visions that you're aspiring to. So it's, it's exciting. I'm, I'm optimistic just hearing you talk yeah. and uh, I'd love to, if you're, if you're ready, we're going to dive into the final frontier. So five questions. Oh, let's do it. Things. You've already touched on a few of these, but let's, let's see what you have to say. The first one, of course, is uh, a top challenge that you would say you're facing in your capacity at Curio. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's the pivot. It's like we know in our hearts, it's such uh, the right thing to do in the right positioning. But whenever you kind of have to start over with a new message, you have to regain uh, those relationships with partners. You have to gain new patients, and it's a tough, it's a tough aspect. And I'm going to add a second challenge because I'm cheating on this question. But it's uh, we're getting in network with insurers now, and that's like, you know, it's something that all clinicians and clinics do, but it is a massive, arduous process. So Awesome. Pivot and sure. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Super awesome. How about top opportunity you see ahead? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Not to be redundant, but definitely building AI native care delivery is the opportunity of the day. And, and like I mentioned, I feel like we're one of the only like, you know, very few, there's tons of companies doing 
one or the other, but an AI native care delivery platform is, you know, magical in my, in my mind. It sounds pretty magical. I'm with you. Okay. How about top tech trend you're following? Tech trend. Okay. So other than generative AI, as I am really intrigued by the VR, AR world. I'm following it. I don't know yet. Yeah, yeah. I want to try. I got to try these new Apple ones and they're not coming out until 2024. So I reserve any judgment. But I always said that I hated VR headsets unless Apple would make one. And now that they've made one, I feel like I've got to, I've got to try it out. Uh, I love it. We'll have to have an AR VR party in New York. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait for the Icona party. So. <laughs> Awesome. How about a uh, top media Rex? This would be book, podcast, anything you're consuming these days, media-wise. Yeah. Well, I finished Peter Atia's Outlive, which, you know, he touches on so many things that I care so much about. And he and his co-writer do it in such a great way that's understandable by lay people. So highly recommend. I I do think there's an element of it that's like super idealistic. It's like a little bit detached from reality. And and he knows that as a doctor, he's just, you know, he's writing for an ideal audience. So, uh, but how can we translate some of his preventive uh, healthcare 3.0, medicine 3.0 to reality is the dream. So. Well, I know you've described yourself in the past as an idealist at heart. So I'm I such an idealist. Okay. I'm incurable. So <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. How about the last one here? Uh, leaders you're following, and this can be from either healthcare or tech or some combination of the two? Yeah. Wow. It's uh, it's tough to pick one. I think, um, you know, you thought leader, multiple, multiple, like obviously one. like, you know, recency bias, but Peter Tia does great work. And uh, Eric Topol is a guy, you know, another physician I follow. And I think uh, Andrew Ng in the AI space, absolutely. So it's I'm following a lot these days because I'm in this learning exploration mode. I think we haven't the the dust hasn't settled, so there's a lot to keep track of. Um, I'm actively, you know, I'm I'm doing a hackathon this weekend, like totally unrelated to Curio stuff, uh, with my partner, my romantic partner who I live with. He's he's an AI scientist, and I was just like, listen, we're just gonna do something totally wild, and it's gonna be awesome. So I'm always learning. I mean, it's XPC. Yeah, yeah, it is the XPC. Yeah, I will see you there. Shout out if we get this out in time. Hopefully, we see people there. Oh my god, I'm so excited! And if you're going to happy hour later, I'm going to make it tonight. So yeah, okay, incredible. Okay, awesome. uh, Hillary, thank you for for coming on. Before we wrap up, I want to make sure people can get a hold of you and learn more about Curio. Where should they go to find out more about both of them? Yeah, yeah, we make it easy. So all of our handles on Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, Twitter is join curio, J O I N C U R I O. And our URL is joincurio.com. And then if you can find me on all the same platforms at Hillary with two L's, H I L A R Y L I N M D. So super easy to find. Amazing. We'll make sure it's all in the show notes and people have an easy time finding you, learning more about curio and following the journey. Hillary, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Tim. This is super fun.